Welcome to the Oakley Podcast, Trucking, Business, and Family. This show is brought to you by Oakley Trucking, headquartered in North Little Rock, Arkansas. The purpose of this podcast is to communicate with Oakley owner-operators and their families by giving them up-to-date information concerning Oakley Trucking and the trucking industry, from business advice to safety updates to success stories. Also, to give an insight to outside truck drivers that might be interested in joining the Oakley family. Hi, I'm Jeremy Kellett, Director of Recruiting here at Oakley Trucking, and I'm your host for this podcast. Hey, thanks everybody for listening. I sure appreciate being a lot of good feedback from everybody that's uh, helping spread the word about this podcast, and please do that. We want to try to communicate with our owner-operators and their families the best we can, so give us some feedback and help uh, share this with all the drivers out there. Happy Easter. I want to start out by saying Happy Easter. This was uh, Easter weekend, uh, this past weekend, and it was really good. I tell you, it's a... Uh, it's, uh, we may think times are bad, but we're all pretty blessed. And a little change watching uh, church online for the last three weeks and participating with your Sunday school class on Zoom. I don't know if y'all are having any of those experiences, but we sure are, and it's a little bit different uh, doing that. But but it's fun and, and glad to be able to do it. Got a, we've got a great podcast lined up here for you today. But first, I want to clarify some things on last week's podcast that came back out with – ATBS, the tax service, and also the uh, payment protection program that's come out, and we sent all our owner-operators a link to that to apply for that. So Todd with ATBS, he misspoke last week about saying you could sign up for $65 one-time fee which really isn't the case. And I can, I just want to, let me share a little bit of his email back because I asked him about that. I had a few drivers call me and say, Hey, that that's not working. So I sent him an email and he emailed me back. Let me touch on that right there. It says, Jeremy, when we spoke last Friday, we were just learning all the facts and processing our first applications. I completely apologize if I misspoke during our calls, we were in the middle of figuring out how to serve and price the loan process. Our conclusion was that for non-clients, we have to have a client engagement letter, and the fastest, easiest way to get that done was to have independent contractors sign up for our lowest price essential service, which is $65 per month. So it was probably not super clear, and it came across as a one-time $65 charge. In reality, we are month-to-month service. So he also went on to say we have two objectives Get independent contractors the stimulus money as quick as possible because they need it and prove our value to the independent contractors so we will become long-term clients of ATBS. So wanted to clarify that. I know we kind of started that, and that was uh, early on in the process, but just want you guys to, to keep in mind. So ATBS is a tax service that we recommend. They do a fantastic job. And if you're already signed up with them, they can do all this stuff for you because they have all your numbers. But you don't have to sign up to ATBS to apply for this payment protection program or payroll protection program. You can do it on your own. You can, uh, we, matter of fact, Oakley, Corey sent you out an email last week uh, with a link to go on there and find out some information about it. And you fill out the application and then you go to your local bank and see if you qualify to get this money so it's uh i'm learning more and more about it i definitely suggest our owner operators should be checking into it if you're in need of the money for sure you need to be doing your homework on it now like anything with the government you know it says it can be forgiven well there's rules that apply to that so you need to make sure you read those rules and understand 
what you have to do to get it forgiven. So anything I can do to help or anybody at Oakley, you can call me and Corey, and we'll be glad to try to, you know, give you those links again, um, give you all the information we can. But, man, more than likely you can call your local bank. They know what's going on. They're probably getting flooded with applications like that anyway. So let's get to today's podcast because i got some stuff I want to cover. And what we're going to do is talk to an Oakley owner-operator that is recovering from the coronavirus. Todd is going to tell us his story of catching the virus, his symptoms, going to the hospital, and how he made it back home. And i tell you what, I, I really do appreciate him coming on and telling us what's going on and what has happened this past couple weeks with him i tell you it's uh, so let's get todd on the line here okay todd are you with us yes jeremy i'm right here appreciate you joining us and uh get us started on this and kind of tell us how in the world you are uh you know you thought you might have or you did get this coronavirus how you have gone through out on the road dealing with it and, and able to make it back home and give us uh give us a little insight and tell me your story Yes, Jeremy. Uh, I'm glad to be here. It's been a little bit of a fight. My lungs are still a little bit short, but uh, we'll, we'll get through this. I believe I probably got it somewhere south of Chicago, Indiana area, around that section of the country. And uh day after that, I would say I started running fever pretty good with cold chills for a couple nights straight. Then it kind of slowed down and subsided, and I thought I was in pretty good shape. I thought, well, maybe it was just a bug, you know, and I drive on, which we all try to do. So I, I got a load and started heading west, made it out to Salt Lake City, and uh, really started hitting me again. And uh, I got concerned and got me a motel room and quarantined myself thinking that, you know, I better get this checked out. This may be a little more serious. So I got the call and found the local testing station and uh, you had to call a 1-800 number and they went through a questionnaire with you. Through that questionnaire, they asked you all your symptoms and everything. After that, they when they're asking you questions and everything, she said, okay, they'll be ready for you in about an hour or so. You can go down there, and they'll have the order in for you to get tested. Was this down at the hospital you were going to? No, I went to a Medicare station in Salt Lake City, Utah, okay. to get this test done after I got in a motel because I was feeling bad and wanting to quarantine myself, and the very next day, I found this place. It was really hard to get anywhere, you know. You can't get an Uber driver to carry you if you're possibly sick with this virus, and so I got where I could bobtail, found a place I could get into and get back out of, and they accommodated me real well there. Went in for the test, and before they tested me, I had to call again into the med station and talk to a nurse, which was setting me up to get the test. And I told her I really wanted to get checked out. 
make sure, you know, maybe get another swab for the flu or make sure anything else wasn't going on. I really wanted somebody to take my temperature and put their hands on me and check me out, you know. They wasn't doing that? They were just checking you for the, the virus? Is that all they were checking you for? Well, I I pulled around actually on the end of a tent. They had a tent set up where they could test about four vehicles at a time. Okay. And I was kind of out on, on the end in my big truck, and I had my mask and put gloves on, and she said, okay, we're going to get you inside here and get a nurse to check you all out. So I I actually got checked a little more than checking for the corona at first. And then they took me outside. And these nurses had these great big old head cover things with a glass front. And they had a filter on their back. And uh, they were the ones that were testing for the coronavirus. Very uncomfortable. They take that swab and they go in your nostrils and go all the way to the back side of your sinus. Oh, my. <laughs> yes, sir. You know they're there. The, um, <laughs> I'll bet. So how? what did they do right after that? So they did they determine you had it, or is that going to take a while to get the results back? That took a couple of days. I was tested on the uh, 31st of March. The very next day, I went back to my motel room after that, just stayed there. I was still running fever, still really run down, feeling bad. I had some food in there that I carried in from the truck, so I was trying to stay quarantined and take care of myself. The very next day after they tested me, they called me and told me that I tested negative for the flu because they did more than one you know, smear deal. Right. And uh, then after that, the following day, that would have been the first, the following day, the second, was when I got the phone call from the, somebody from the health department, and I had the CDC calling me, and they were just drilling me on questions. Where do you think you got this? Where have you been? Who do you think else is affected? Lord, you would think you caught the black plague and you're fixing to cause the end of the earth. The oh, they no, they were, they were drilling you hard, yeah. wasn't they? Oh, man. I mean, they were really, you know, you're, you're already feeling bad and you're about half incoherent anyway. And they're telling you, you know, you need to give up your name. And uh, so that people can know, and we need to call all these places around here you've been and let everybody know and everything. And so I did. I give up my name, and I, I told them, I said, okay, if that's what I need to do. I really wasn't thinking clear, and I gave them permission to, you know, have my name and call the plate, you know, the motel I was in and that. And that's actually was bad deal to do, and it was wrong for them to drill me to the point of giving that up. What happened after you told them your name? So they called people or and told them you had it, or they made people aware that you had it, or what? Yes, they did, Jeremy. They called the motel room. They called my room and asked me. They didn't tell me to leave. 
But they asked me to leave, get it clear out of their motel. And then I got a couple more calls from downstairs in the motel. Have you have you been in the elevator? Have you touched any of the machine? Have you been in the stairwells? Where have you been in our hotel, you know, and all this? They just kept drilling, and I was steadily getting phone calls. I got three or four phone calls from the CDC and the, uh, I would say, the health department. And uh, they were steadily just wanting to know everything and go through everything and really wanting to find out if I had, you know, contaminated anybody else or maybe passed this virus. So we recommend you to get out of our hotel. What did you do then? Well, when she asked me, she said, how long will it take you to get out? I said, well, ma'am, let me get a shower, clear my stuff out, and I'll be out of here in a couple hours. And that's what I did. And in reality, I shouldn't have. If I would have been thinking straight, I'd have went to my truck and I'd have called that CDC lady and say, okay, I'm your baby now. Come and get me. Yeah. But, and... And that's really what I should have done. So what did you but do? You got I your thought, truck and started, where'd you go? Yes, sir. I got in my truck, hooked back up to my trailer because I had backed under it, but I didn't finish hooking up the day prior, coming back from getting tested. I started heading south towards Gallup, and I got down somewhere around uh, south of Green River, Utah, And I found a Miller truck stop, and I stayed in my truck, never went in the truck stop, never talked to anybody there or had any contact with anybody or went in a store or anything. I stayed quarantined in my truck because I knew I was positive. And by that time, my wife was already on the road, and she was heading to come meet me because she knew after I run fever a couple days, it was... Probably something pretty serious. I spent the night there at that miller, and the next morning I got up and got around. And I did get a a cough pill and an inhaler from that med station that they give me. And that's kind of what helped me survive and get through and keep my air. The next morning I headed down south and uh, met my wife. She met me at the way station just south of Monroe, sir, just a little ways south of Moab, Utah. She pulled in behind me and waved at me through the window. From there, she followed me the whole this rest of this whole trip. She stayed the night that night prior in the Gallup, New Mexico hotel, and then found me. And we made it to Gallup. And when I got there, I wanted to stay in the truck, but I'd been out of it a couple of days. So I fueled my truck at the Loves there at the Gallup. She brought me, I took all my old food out of the fridge and that, trashed it. And she brought me fresh food and orange juice and oranges, which I drink a lot of because i trying to stay healthy with vitamin C in that. So at this point, you're just trying to get back home. Is that where you're headed? Yes, sir. At that point, I was, that's all I had on my mind was getting myself home and to my own doctor and trying to get help because 
I didn't feel like Utah done me right at all. Right. So you got your you got your truck filled up. You're being as careful as possible and staying in your truck, and you're not wanting to spread this because you know you're positive. And now you're you're headed, you're ready to head home, and your wife's following you to make sure you're making it all right. So what what happened next? Because you did get go in the hospital, didn't you? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Uh, I spent the night there. I didn't realize that Gallup, New Mexico, was about 6,400 feet in elevation. And the condition I was in, I, I, I told my wife, we're just going to spend the night here, and in the morning we'll get a fresh start and head back. Because just fueling and putting that food up and throwing the old food away, I was completely wiped out. I, I wasn't in no shape to drive. So I spent the night there in the truck. And the next morning I woke up and I got around. I told, I called my wife. I said, can you meet me over here? And she said, yeah, I'll be over in just a couple minutes. And I said, I think we better call an ambulance to come get me. I said, I don't, I don't believe I need to go any further. And uh, so the ambulance come got me, carried me to the emergency room there at the hospital in Gallatin, New Mexico. I spent six days there in the ICU. First couple days, it started going down. You know, I, not on the better side, but on the worse side. And uh, really scared the far out of my wife. I bet and, it uh, Yes, sir. Y'all got the information and found out what was going on. I called Bradley when my dispatcher, when I started to go to the, I either texted him or called him. I don't quite remember. But uh, that information got up, passed up to y'all, and y'all really come around there and, and uh, stepped up and took care and called my wife and made sure everything was okay. And I, I am so happy and appreciative for the way, you know, the company did and for my wife and me and <clears throat> sent food for her and just way above and beyond well we're glad to and, do uh, it because that's when we heard about it i think was when you were in the hospital there so that's got to be yes. a tough six days i bet if you're in icu and she can't come see you so you're how are they treating you i mean what what are they treating you with well they treated it with zinc at first they didn't they they had me in the emergency room for a few hours and then they moved me up to icu and I had forgotten my charger, so I was six days without my phone after the first day. And uh, so my wife would call the, the phone there in the room. And uh, they treated me with that zinc and that, uh, I don't remember exactly how to say it, that chloroquine that they say they're treating this. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. They treated you with that? I've heard them talk about that. Yes, sir. That's exactly what they use. They... They minimize it to a five-day regimen, but that's what they treated me with. And uh, I am a type 2 diabetic, and uh, I'm a little guy. I'm about 5'7", and I take care of my, you know, I take my meds and take care of it with my uh, diet. And uh, I think that's probably one of the things that helped to get in a little easier possibly because as I got where I was sicker, and I couldn't eat very well. 
I kind of got off my meds because I didn't want to bottom out, you right. know, with the a little glipizide tablet you have to take there. And uh, so I was trying not to bottom out and be in worse shape. And uh, But they they really, they monitored me every hour in ICU. They done blood work every day. They checked my pulse. They checked my blood oxygen. They had me on oxygen from the time I got there. And uh, the nurses come in. And they had to suit up. They wouldn't let anything in that room or out of that room that a doctor or nurse didn't bring. I bet you felt just like an alien in there. Oh, uh, it was it was an experience. It was a it was a fight. There, they've got some water out there that don't taste the greatest, and you really have a metallic taste in your mouth too when you have that virus, and then the regiment that they use you know to treat it you get a metallic taste in your mouth pretty bad and you want to sip and they say you know you better for you if you drink hot well ice water is about the best thing on earth when you're thirsty and if you can suck as much of that stuff down as you can that's what you need to be doing and i got to where i just held my nose and Drank about five or six quarts of that a day and had them bringing me water as fast as they could. Well, good. And, uh, now, they, did you ever have to get on a yeah. ventilator, Todd? No, sir, I didn't. Good. Jeremy, I, I uh, never got to the ventilator part. My breathing stayed, you know, with the oxygen. They kept my breathing level up there. My blood oxygen kept it up there around 95, 96. And uh, there was a couple times they come in and they tried to get me to do some uh, little moving around, you know, and wean me off the oxygen, but uh, couldn't do it. And uh, finally, I got them to get me a little longer air hose so I could start walking around my bed more and go into the bathroom and taking a shower and stuff and still wear my air and try to get everything flowing and moving and get that stuff trying to break up in my lungs and get it out of there. But I, I did have pneumonia on top of the coronavirus too. So that made just that made, made things worse. Yeah. Yeah. So you finally, I guess, got a little bit better or better enough where they said, okay, you, I mean, what did they, they say? Just, okay, you can leave now. Or did they have like rules where you got to go here? You got to go straight home or what, what did they do on getting out of the hospital? Well, at first they were going to have me quarantine at a motel and they had an external company. I guess it was a home health agency that would come in and have a home health care doctor take care of, check on you and bring you food and all that. But I was a little bit insecure of that. I I felt safer going to my truck, and I told my doctor that uh, I convinced him that I was a little bit leery. You know, you don't know how people are going to clean a motel. We all know the horror stories and them things, some of them. I was more secure going to my truck. I had an APU on it, had heat and air, had refrigerator, you know, my microwave. I could take care of myself, and he made me promise him that I would, when they released me to my, 
he finally come back and said, we're going to release you to your truck, Todd. It was a Wednesday morning. I, uh, I got in there Saturday morning. I would say Wednesday evening, my fever broke, and I really started to feel much better. And then Thursday, they talked about releasing me. And Friday, they finally got me released. And he said, we're going to release you to your truck, but we want you to stay in your truck overnight. And they released me with a bunch of little oxygen bottles and an oxygen tube. And we want you to stay in your truck overnight to help some of these meds kind of subside and you get oriented to your truck. And then, you know, you can leave tomorrow morning and head home. And my wife was with me there and uh, the whole time. And they got me back to my truck and felt pretty good Saturday morning. Still felt real good, you know. Didn't run no fever through the night or anything like that. Started making our way home down the road to Grant, New Mexico. And I had used one of my bottles through the night, and I had five. And I needed to make sure I got through the weekend. So we stopped at Grant and stopped at a Lend Care. My wife went up there, and, man, they loaded her down with about six or seven bottles. Good. And, uh, yeah, they really took care of us there and uh, made sure we could get it, make it, make the trip and everything through the weekend. And then we headed on and made it to Amarillo. And my wife stayed the night in the motel and had truck parking in the back. And I stayed in my truck, and uh, she brought me. Well, we got curbside um, roadhouse that night. If the steak don't fix you, there ain't nothing well. <laughs> I bet that was good, too, because it would probably been a while since you had one. Oh, Lord. Yeah, it's tough out there. I All us owner-operators out there and all the truck drivers in the industry getting hot meals and trying to eat something other than a hamburger is pretty tough right now, the way times are. But, uh, yeah, that, that steak was right on the money in a baked sweet tater. We got up the next morning and had about 510 miles, and we made it to the house. And uh, I'm quarantined here in the camper right next to my carport here at the house and I'm staying here and staying away from my wife. She's a heart patient and has lupus and also has a touch of COPD. Well, she sounds like a trooper though. If she drove all the way out to Utah to get you and follow you home. Now that's, that's one you you might want to keep there, Todd. Yes, sir. I believe she's a gift from God right there. How much longer you got to be in your camper, you think? I mean, you, you did they give you so many days before you go, or do you got to go back to the doctor here? I did call my doctor Monday morning, and there's a lot of states that demand that you actually take two negative tests before, you're pri- before you can be released. I called my doctor because that's what I was told to do by the doctor in ICU out there. Monday morning, I called my doctor here in Clarksville, Arkansas, and uh, she called the health department, and they didn't know exactly what the criteria was. So the health department called and talked to me and Dina, and uh, we answered a lot of questions. Basically, the same thing I'm talking to you with more specific dates and everything through the whole situation. 
and uh, Arkansas does not require you to have to get a negative test, but they do require you to spend, I believe it's four complete days after you have any symptoms of the virus, meaning not having a headache from, you know, possibly lack of oxygen or coughing or uh, running fever or any, a tightness of chest, any of those symptoms. So I'm, uh, I'm erring on the side of caution here and I'm staying in the camper and I'll probably, Miss Dina might let me back in about Thursday. <laughs> Wants to make sure you, yeah, and you need to make sure you're, you're free and clear. Uh, you yes, know, for sir. sure on that. Cause you don't want to get, I know I'm sure you're missing her, but you don't want to get too uh, rush into it too quick. Oh, no. I, uh, going to give this plenty of time and a little healing time and let my lungs, you know, get rid of a lot of this. I'm still coughing up and getting rid of it. Uh, the day after I got home, I was able to, I got one of those small blood oxygen, blood ox meters that you put on your finger. And by the following morning after I got home, I had weaned myself off the oxygen here. So I'm, I'm really doing good and really getting on the men here. Good. Well, I, I tell you, I, I'm so glad you, you made it through it. It sounds like a journey, um, going from, you know, one middle part of the country to out West and then trying to get back and in the hospital and, uh, now at home in the camper, I sure am glad you made it through, Todd. We we are glad to have you as an Oakley owner operator, and I man, I really appreciate you sharing the story with us because I you know I just thought it was interesting to talk to you, and I'm so grateful that you wanted to share that with us because uh, I think it's important for people to know you know the details of somebody that's had the uh, virus and know what to expect and and i sure appreciate you sharing that stuff with us yes sir jeremy i i appreciate the opportunity to get to do that and your podcast and uh all the help y'all give us and and taking care of the motels and everything out there uh lord i you know i've only been here since First to say, I think my first dispatch was October the fourth, and uh, I've been just as at ease. I made a pretty good investment when I come to Oakley, and uh, stretched out there and bought a really nice Peterbilt, and uh, I've I've not been nervous one since since I made the move, yeah. and uh, the Oak- Oakley family's treated me great, and I and and y'all. And uh, I really appreciate everything and really means a lot to me, y'all, looking after my, you know, checking with my wife and everything. And it's it's been a great relationship, and I couldn't ask for nothing better. Well, I appreciate those words and you saying that. But, I mean, when you, you lease on to Oakley, you're part of this family, and uh, we got to take care of each other, and that's what we're doing best we can. And I'm so glad you're feeling better and coming through this and – and you're always going to have a story to tell those uh, grandkids for sure uh, down the road. And <laughs> <laughs> we, 
when they talk about it, uh, it, you know, it's something else. So, but we're, we're as a, as a company and a family, we're going to get through this stuff. It's just a matter of time. We get back on track and get going and, and it'll all be over with and it'll be in the history books. And we'll next year, we'll be talking about it. Like, uh, you know, man, you believe we lived through the coronavirus. It was something else. So Todd, I, I sure appreciate you hanging with me and doing this podcast and, uh, everybody out there that uh, listens to us, I, I hope this is something that you know you like. We we want to try everything we can to come across as a good podcast to you guys and, and give you information to let you know that we are family here at Oakley Trucking, and we want to do all we can to share information. We got a lot more stuff coming up next week, so be sure and, and tune in with us next week. Uh, podcast comes out every Wednesday, so be sure and subscribe and, and uh, share it with everybody. Todd, thank you, buddy. Uh, I'll, I'll be in touch. Thank you, Jeremy. We appreciate you very much. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Oakley Podcast, Trucking, Business, and Family. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate or review the show in the podcast platform of your choice and share it with a friend. We love hearing from our audience. So if you've got a question, comment, or just want to say hello, head over to our website, theoakleypodcast.com, and click the Leave a Comment button. We'll get you a response soon and may even share some of the best ones here on the show. We'll be back with a fresh episode very soon. Thanks for listening.